All right, if you have a Bible with you or a device, would you turn it to um, John chapter 11? We're going to be looking at verses 27 through, or excuse me, 17 through 27. Um, just briefly, I want to introduce myself to you guys. I was here back in December. Um, again, my name is Lee Wright. I am the RUF campus minister at UT San Antonio, uh, affectionately known as UTSA, as many of you know. Um, RUF stands for Reformed University Fellowship. Um, Derek had served as the RUF campus minister at the University of Texas in Austin um, a while ago, and um, we are a ministry of the PCA, of the Presbyterian Church in America. And so I'm actually an ordained minister um, who goes onto the campus and ministers on behalf of you all uh, and on behalf of the churches in the South Texas Presbytery. Um, so it's really an honor and a joy to get to do that and to represent you all, um, but then also to get to get, uh, you know, jump into the lives of college students. Uh, my wife and I were in Orlando, Florida for six years uh, serving at the University of Central Florida, um, and we loved it so much that we wanted to go to a new place. So, uh, so we moved here this summer, uh, not knowing that the uh, campus would be entirely closed for the whole year. Uh, but we've still been able to engage with some students and, uh, and to give them Jesus. And so uh, that is what you guys as a church support. Um, and again, I'm just thrilled to be able to do that. If you want to know more about our ministry, I'd love to tell you a little bit later. Um, if you want to support it, I'd love to uh, show you how to do that. Um, but it is a joy to be able to come to you this morning and to give you the word of God. Uh, so I'm going to read from John chapter 11, uh, from verses 17 through 27. This is the text that we're going to be looking at this morning. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection, and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for this word, this truth that comes to us. I pray that you... Um, would use my words, uh, would use the word of your, uh, of your scripture to change our hearts, uh, to give us your truth and your grace this morning. I pray that, um, that everything that is profitable would, would stick and would be heard, um, and those words that are not helpful would fall to the ground and would be no more. Thank you for this time this morning where we can look at your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So last night, um, I put my eight-year-old to sleep, and um, what's a, it's a custom for our family to uh, do some reading together, and my eight-year-old especially loves um, a particular book, and we've been reading a chapter every night, 
And what I love about it is that the, the story really captivates her mind. And at the end of almost every single chapter, she says, I have so many questions. What's going to happen? What, what, is, what, what is the deal with the story? Uh, and last night in particular, we had to cut our reading short. Um, and she was left even more, with even more questions and this huge cliffhanger as well as just the, the feeling of evil being all around uh, with the story. And when I return this afternoon, I'm hoping that we can catch back up. Um, but it, it actually fit perfectly and tied in really well with what I'm going to talk about today. And really, a lot of what we're experiencing right now, with it being March 14th, uh, 2021, because a year ago today... I'm assuming that your church was like ours in Orlando where you guys shut down and probably did so for a couple of months. And there was just this period of unease and this hope that things would change and would change quickly. Um, and we heard all sorts of advice and there uh, was, was this thing about COVID-19 striking close to home. And a lot of you have probably been living with the fear or knowing the fear that it's coming closer or is actually inside your home or is near. You've been worried about older people and those who are susceptible. Um, it's really been kind of a wild year. It's been a wild ride. Um, and in all of this, I think that it's actually put a spotlight on a national epidemic that we have, our anxiety. It's shown us that we as a country as the United States of America function in anxiety. We scurry around the world, often feeling a lot of worry, and the worry actually fuels us. It fuels me sometimes to, to do a lot more work uh, than I'm capable of doing. Uh, it even gives us the category of ambition so that we as people uh, are, are driven to do more and more. And with all this, there is actually a dark side to anxiety, and it has reared its ugly head this year. And I'm assuming if, if you're breathing, you have uh, been evidence to this. You've seen how a divisive political year can cause people to, to be really angry at each other. Um, it does so when public health officials are warning us what could happen if we aren't cautious. It even happens in our own families and with our friends we were afraid of who all you've been exposed to. It even causes division in churches, unfortunately. And I'm sure that you've seen this and experienced it. And e even saying all of this gives me a little bit of anxiety. It makes me a little bit worried of what's going to happen. All this exposure, risk, all these things. And to top it off, we have found ways to blame each other. Uh, blame each other for the things going on in the world. But regardless of what is going on, the challenge of living in this world is that we have to come to grips with the awkwardness of living in a broken and confusing world, knowing that things aren't the way that they are supposed to be, that this world is not the end, that there is sin in the world, and that there is sin in us in each other, even the best of us who we feel have no faults at all. We've probably been able to see some sin in one another. We can't fix it, but we also can't blame other people for what 
has, has been left undone. And so we desperately need something better, even something better than a vaccine or three vaccines, which is what we have right now. But we also need to know that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be, that, it, that there is something that is wrong. And truthfully, as Christians, we worry that although God has changed our hearts, that he has done something marvelous and majestic in our hearts to take it, as the prophet Ezekiel says, from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, that he has changed us, that he actually won't do anything with our circumstances. That the present moment that we live in, that in some ways, I think that we believe that he is absent. But the message of the Bible couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, God wants us to know that he is present with us and and that we can approach him as a child approaches their father. That he loves us and that he desires to be near to us, even and especially in times of trouble. And so this passage, we're going to look at two things, the sorrow that is experienced and the hope that is experienced. The sorrow and the hope. So I'm going to go ahead and read these first six verses. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem. Bethany is a town, by the way, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but, Mar- but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. These verses actually summarize really well what's going on. This family is, is anxious. They're sad. They're dealing with sorrow, but Lazarus has died, and we see there is mourning on display. They are sorrowful, and the harshness of living in a broken world is on display. And anyone who has experienced death in this year or death period knows this feeling, knows the feeling of loss and and what it is like for a family to, to deal with the fact that someone is gone, that they have left this earth. But Martha um, is especially seen as an anxious but also a sorrowful, sorrowful person. Um, and like Martha, we want to seek out someone uh, to find uh, some kind of blame some, and, and really give our anxiety to them. She understands that God is with her through this. And we hear it in, uh, when, when she speaks to, to Jesus in verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Martha understands that her pain may be comforted by Jesus. She has walked with Jesus, and she knows the incredibleness of his presence, and that hopefully he can say something to care for her. In a sense, he's looking at Jesus like a counselor, like someone who will love her well, will walk through her, will be empathetic, things like this. But what is incredible is that Martha is, is very bold in her proclamation. She's actually an amazing example for us because she doesn't just run to some random person or a friend that can deal with um, her pain and her sorrow. She runs to Jesus. She runs to the one who knows that, uh, that he can help in that situation. He runs to Jesus because he has been active in her life. And actually, Martha 
here is following a biblical pattern for dealing with sorrow. She presents her anxieties to the Lord. Hear these words from Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? In many ways, it feels like an indictment against God. How long? Where have you gone, God? But in fact, what Martha is doing, what David is doing in this psalm, are pleas to God to try to understand what has happened. And then the response in in verse 5 of Psalm 13 says this, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. And I love uh, a, a way of defining steadfast love is never stopping, never ceasing love. The fact that God has always been with David. It is this never-ending, never-stopping love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. There is trust in what God has done and rejoicing in, in um, his salvation. And so the effect of the psalm, as well as Martha coming and approaching Jesus, actually gives us this picture, this beautiful picture of what it's like to deal with your anxieties, deal with your sorrows, and give them to our Lord. Martha is an awkward predicament. She knows that she is saved by God, and yet she lives in a broken and messed up and often not put together world. We call this the already and the not yet, meaning that she already knows that her heart has been changed, that salvation is present in her life. But because of living in a broken world and being a person who is sinful and seeing something like death affect her, she lives in the not yet, that salvation has not yet been fully realized where we are with Jesus and living in harmonious relationship with him. And because of this, we actually have permission to grieve well. We have permission to be sorrowful. And, and, and as I said, you can go through, and there are dozens of psalms that speak to the grief and the lament and the struggle of living in this world. Again, Martha seeks the Lord in her sorrow and in her anxiety. As I mentioned, the COVID-19 pandemic um, has, has made a, a mess of people's lives. And it's caused this uh, anxiety epidemic to actually reach several ugly tentacles uh, in many people's lives. I have two um, pictures of that to share with you. One is a friend who told me this. I'm just going to quote what she said. She said, I got diagnosed with a terrible sleep disorder after battling with it the past few years and had routine heart palpitations. This is someone in their mid-30s, by the way. Uh, It amped up in June. Docs have said after studies and tests that anxiety is likely to blame. It's pretty incredible how the mind-body connection can create such chaos. She said, I've had to alter a lot about my life. And unfortunately, that would help. Um, what, What would help before COVID, I can't have because of restrictions on her son, a babysitter, vacation, and time alone. This is a mother with three kids who are wild, who are kids, right? And she recognizes that because of how things are right now, she can't fully uh, be relieved of her anxiety. Even though as a Christian woman, she hopes for and longs and knows who Jesus is. The effects of this 
uh, in-between period of continued suffering and sorrow uh, are just a reality that she's living in. And then a more personal one, uh, in, in October, I had to have an emergency root canal. Um, and it was awful. If you've ever had a root canal, you understand the pain of one who deals with that. Uh, and it was likely caused by anxiety of moving, of transitioning, of life in a new place, of, of all sorts of things. Uh, and then just a couple of days ago, I had a procedure and my, um, my doctor said, wow, you have some of the strongest jaw muscles I've ever seen. And at first I, I made like a slight joke, like that's, that, that's really nice of you to, to say that. But, but what she said is that you actually need to watch out for TMJ and potentially even get treatment for it. Uh, but the underlying issue is most likely anxiety. And it's something that I struggle with as well. Uh, and, it, and it's a part of my anxiety story. Maybe you don't have a story of dealing with anxiety or worry uh, like these two stories. But it's likely that during the past year, um, there has been something that has caused you deep anxiety and deep worry about yourself, about your home, about uh, your electricity in the past, uh, the, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we ran out of water for three days in our home. That caused a lot of anxiety, especially when you have five people using toilets. Uh, it's, been, it, it's been a year that is filled with a lot of concern and worry. And what does it look like, though, then for us to present those things to the Lord? For us to run to him, to look like what Mary does, where she, where she sees Jesus coming and she goes to him. Going back to the text, again, Martha is such a great example for us. And it may seem simple, but, but we have access to Jesus in prayer. We don't have to go through an intermediary like a pastor or a priest or someone like that. We can just sit with our Lord and give him our anxieties. A lot of times Christians are really good at just saying, I'm fine. I'm able to handle everything on my own. The Lord actually wants us to give over those things that we're worried about. And in some ways, it can also be incredibly cathartic for us to pray aloud to the Lord, knowing that he hears us, knowing that he has walked in, in similar shoes as us. He comes down and he cares for Martha. He actually wants us to pray really hard things. He wants us to pray our heart. He wants to know us in some incredibly deep ways. So that is the sorrow of this passage. And we could go on and on and talk about the sorrow. But the second point is the hope that is in this passage. And from verse 20, 23, I want to read, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Mary said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Mary says to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the God who is coming into the world. The word hope means something different in God's currency than it does in our world. It's not just a wishful thinking. 
You guys probably know this because you're Hope Presbyterian. And I imagine that Derek encourages you of this all the time, that hope is actually something that is true, that we long for, but it is something that has been promised to us. Eugene Peterson, I love what he does in the, the message with verses 25 through 26. He says this, he says, you don't have to wait for the end. I am the resurrection now. Resurrection, excuse me, I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not die at all. Do you believe this? One of the common thoughts in the Jewish world was that there would be a resurrection at some point. That God would raise those who believe in him from the dead. But they had no idea in what manner it would be done. And here, Jesus is promising them with both an I am statement, which means that he is God, and by saying, in me, you will experience the resurrection and the life. Think about that for a second. Here is Martha, who has walked with Jesus, who has understood his character, who has seen his teaching, who in in a couple of days, in a, a little over a week, will see him go to the cross and die on behalf of his people, and then will be raised again. Imagine the hope that is in this passage. But then we hear her response, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. Martha's faith in Jesus now means that she would experience resurrection in this life and truly not die. And I want, I want us to think particularly of the part where it says that he is, um, that, that we will not die, that those who are believers will not experience death uh, in its fullest extent. Uh, my grandmother passed away in January, and um, she attended Briarwood Presbyterian in Birmingham all of her life, essentially. And uh, the pastor, Harry Reeder, gave this really great picture of what that's like. He said that as a kid, he would often try to watch the late show with his dad. And inevitably, every single night, he would fall asleep before the late show ended. And what his dad would do was probably what most of us have done as parents. We, we pick our kids up, we take them to their bed, we tuck them in bed. And what he did was he, he would wake up thinking, man, I missed, I missed the end of the late show. But also in the comforts of his own bed, not dealing with being awkwardly on a couch uh, but, but safely in a place where he, where he could rest, where he could await for the morning. And that is really the picture that our Lord is giving us, that he is going to put us safely in a place. And I think it gives us incredible hope as people who are, are experiencing a lot of death right now in the world. Uh, and maybe if you are nearing death, knowing that you are with Jesus, that you, that you will be in this place of rest where you can just await for the Lord to come back and to wake you up and to give you peace. The second part of, um, that, that I want to talk about with the resurrection and the hope that is given to us is what Peterson says at the beginning of that quote that I mentioned from the message, that you don't have to wait. And I think this is very, very important when we think of the resurrection, because we can often look at what will happen 
when Jesus comes back. We're longing for something that will happen a long time later. In fact, what, what he is saying and what Jesus wants to encourage us of is that we can live as people who have been changed now. The resurrection and the life is something that is true for us now. That it is something that our hearts can long for uh, and that we can live right now. And my, the reason that I say this and why it's so hopeful is that we don't have to worry as much. We don't have to fear as much. We don't have to fear and, and, have, and have to have an answer for everything that is going on in the world. We can simply look to Jesus and, and to honestly put our fear in him, to long for reverence with him. We may long for better things than what this world offers us. And it doesn't mean that we are just going to throw away the world and that everything in the world we, we just completely discard. Um, but that we don't have to fear those things and worry about every single little thing going on in our lives, it can actually enable us to fully live, to fully live as whole people, mind, body, spirit, soul, and not be irritated by by little bitty things going on in our lives. It also gives us an opportunity to see relationships in a new light. If you don't, if you believe that you don't have to change or fix or keep everyone else together, it changes the way that you interact with other people. You don't have to be this, th- th- this type of role, the, the glue that holds the family together, or the person that is always you know, just incredibly nice uh, to one another. You don't have to be this because you know that Jesus is the one that is going to heal all things. You don't have the power to be the resurrection and the life. It actually encourages you to let go to let go of some things in your lives. And then finally, an encouragement. It gives us an encouragement to live a different rhythm in our lives. Uh, For the past 52 weeks, I've been captivated by the idea of a rule of life, a way that we can live differently and, and have a consistency in the Word, in meditating upon His Word, um, in prayer shaping our lives, and honestly, in not having to, to scurry around and to hurry and to worry as much. Uh, I'm convinced that often my life is shaped more by external factors. Uh, personally, I'm prone to be super involved in things like sports. And as a kid, it was the different athletic seasons that characterized where my life was, right? Uh, it was baseball season, and then soccer season, and then a summer, which had seasons as well, and then the fall. And into adulthood, I, I leaned right into that, except with the teams that I followed and the tournaments. And it, and it functioned like a liturgical calendar in ways that, that, that I was being shaped more by the external things than actually what was going on in my heart to be, to be led more by the Lord rather than the external things that are going on in our world. Um, and if you are a sports fan, you know that that has been shattered this year by different things that have happened in the world. And so Colossians 2, 8 through 11 is really helpful here. See to it 
that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, remember, the resurrection and the life, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. We have so much more to live for if we are in Christ, if we believe in these things. And if you are not a Christian today, or if you are struggling or skeptical, this is good news for you because you have probably been longing after things that you know will not fulfill you. Maybe it's, maybe it's politics. Maybe it's some kind of job or some kind of hope of something getting better for you. And it's just not enough. It's not going to fulfill you. If you're a Christian today, it gives you incredible, incredible hope to, to just be able to relax and to be at ease and to place your anxieties on the Lord and to come to him sorrowful. To be able to do that um, because you know that he is a good God and he is kind to us. As I said, this has exposed our anxiety in, in ways that we may not even imagine. Uh, it, it's been the case for me. But the hope in all of this is that um, the resurrection is coming. I love what Al LaCour, he's he was the, uh, he actually planted a church in College Station. He said this, he said, uh, this was a couple days ago, today marks one year since the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 coronavirus a pandemic. What a long Lenten season. More than 40 days, right? What a long season of grief and of sorrow. But resurrection is coming. And we long for that. And let us live into it and long for the day that Christ comes again. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for giving us your word this morning. I pray that you would give us grace and truth. Um, thank you for um, being near to us and desiring to hear our sorrows and coming and healing us in ways um, that we wouldn't even imagine. Um, Lord, be, be near to us as we deal with our own anxieties and fears and worries. And um, Father, I pray that you would give us um, hope through your gospel and through your gospel alone. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.